0: Something that's true of pretty much all of us here is that we all know someone who has died, someone, no doubt, that we love. And this is a thought that the church particularly turns us to in this month of November, that love bids us do something. And if we love those who have died, well, what can we still do for them? Well, in this month of November, we're urged in particular to do something for them, By praying for them. So we just heard in the Gospel the Lord Jesus give the second commandment to love your neighbour. And love wants to manifest itself in action. And the saints have spelt out for us over the centuries different ways that love has to be put into action. What they call one of the spiritual works of mercy is this thing of praying for the dead. So I want to say a word about that tonight. (coughs) We read in the Bible, uh, particularly in the second book of Maccabees, how it was the Jewish practice to pray for the dead. They prayed for the dead. It says um, that they might be loosed from their sins. And that Jewish practice became the early Catholic practice and is still our practice today. And it's rooted in two simple but important beliefs. One that the dead don't cease to exist. That there will be a a resurrection of the dead. That there is an eternal destiny for each of us. But it's also rooted in the fact that the prayers of the living can help those who have died. That while we live... We can pray for each other. While we live, we can pray for someone else who is alive to call down God's grace to help and strengthen them. And great as the gulf of death. It's not greater than the power of prayer. And our common union in Christ with those who have died means that we can continue to be united, continue to do something for them, Continue to do something by praying for them. So this relates to purgatory. And someone was asking me about purgatory recently, asking, well, who goes there? And what's purgatory like? And in particular, they asked whether it was painful. Painful. Well, for those of you that don't know, the word purgatory is the the name given to the the place that most of us go um, after we die, before we go to heaven. And purgatory is a very important place, in a sense a lot rides on it, because heaven can't be heaven unless something changes in us before we get there. The Bible tells us that heaven is a perfect place, a, a place of utter fulfillment and happiness. And if I'm going to be there, then I can't carry with me all the things that stop happiness. If I go up to heaven as I am now, with my disagreeableness and my grumpy attitude and whatever else, well, then pretty much the instant I get there, heaven won't be happiness for the other people there. So something has to change in me if I who die imperfect am to get to this perfect place of heaven. So that's needed for the other people. It's needed even for me. That if I go with all my sin in me, well, that will stop me enjoying the love of God, enjoying the perfection of heaven. So there's a change that needs to happen and it's purgatory that makes that possible. So the word purgatory literally it means, refers to purgation, being purged of our sins, of our imperfections, of the, of the residue of sin that remains in me even after I'm forgiven. And the traditional image for that is of fire. That The same way that fire will um, burn away impurity in metal, the image is used for how impurity in us, the residue of sin, is burned away. And obviously that implies an image of pain. But I might use a more, a more modern image, um, namely of a gym, that those who go to exercise in the gym, well, that causes them pain. You can see I don't do that too often. Um, But those who exercise in the gym, the, the pumping, the working out, it stresses the body, it pains the body. But they do it for the sake of a goal. They do it with something positive in view. They do it wanting to gain something from it. Well, it's the same with purgatory before heaven. That those who are in purgatory, they want to be there. They want to get themselves ready for heaven. They want to purify and change and transform their souls so that their souls are ready for God, are ready for that perfection. And a third and final image of purgatory that's sometimes used is it's a bit like getting ready for a party. If you're going to go out in the evening... Well, usually when you go out to a party, you don't just go as you are. You want to get yourself looking your best, get yourself ready for who you're going to greet, that that's part of what you do in order to be able to enjoy the party. And in the same way, we need this place purgatory to get us ready for the perfection, the happiness of heaven. If we want to please God, if we want to enjoy all that there is of the love of God in heaven do we want to get ourselves ready for it. But to return to where I began, why, why does that involve prayer? Why do we need to pray for those there? Well, the change that happens in purgatory is primarily the work of God, of his grace. And we call on his grace, therefore, to be even more active, even more abundantly transforming. That when, when I'm changed on earth, well, I cooperate with God's grace, but if I'm being changed here on earth, it's primarily God who's doing it, his grace. And it's the same in purgatory. If I'm going to be changed there, it's primarily him, his grace. And so Our prayers call down an increase in that for those there. So we pray for the dead. That they might have mercy in the judgment. That they might have consolation and strength while they're in this place of purgation. And that by an increase in that grace they might be uh, shortened in their time. they're hastened through that transition. in this month of November, let's remember to pray for the dead, both those we've known and loved and those who we don't know, those maybe who have no one to pray for them, because praying for them is an important way of living out that commandment to love our neighbour.